Floyd moves on in, and he scores! What's happening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies. This guy right here is Derek. And I'm John. What's going on, everybody? And what better topic to cover today than 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 hockey i don't know (laughs) hey why not we'll be general yeah we're gonna cover some hockey as always but we're gonna go and talk about some trophies because there's been some buzz on twitter real quick real quick before we go into trophy talk man is this crap gonna even happen it's better at this this point I mean, we're starting to get resurgences in different cities. I I read something about a coyote. Somebody in the Coyotes organization got tested positive. Maybe somebody in the Bruins organization tested positive. I, call me negative Nancy, but it's not looking good, dude. I, I don't know. I feel like how many of these things are going to happen before they go, all right, the best, the safest thing for us to do is just scrap it. No, it's definitely a dangerous thing to do considering, like you said, all these people that are assuming to be testing positive, but they've got to have the guidelines in place to deal with that, and I'm sure they do, and we'll figure it out once, you know, what is it, July 10th is the date that they expect training camp to resume? Right, yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, the cities that are getting these spikes, are they just going, well, that can't be a host city, well, that can't be a host city, I mean, is that essentially what they're going to be doing then? Probably, you'd have to think that, I mean as fair or unfair as it may seem, you know, that's probably the logical way to look at it. Yeah. I just, I still have a really hard time I think until people get on the ice and start playing games, I have a hard time picturing this actually taking place. Oh, we all do. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, how long has it been since we've seen a hockey game? You know, right. Everybody's kind of down in the dumps about it and they want hockey, but at this point, you know, everybody's upset and questioning whether yeah. there might be some. Yeah, I don't know, man. But anyway, let's go to the trophy talk. Selkie it to me, baby. Selkie it to you. Well, we got three, actually, but you are correct. The Selkie is one of them we are going to discuss. There are three trophies that a flyer, not just a player, but a flyer could take home come the award show whenever that may be. Right. So, yes, the big one, obviously, is the Selkie. And I feel like every year there's this discussion, and it centers around the same player, and we all know who that is. Would you like to tell everybody? Um, Scott Lawton. That guy? Yeah, I, Michael I guess. Ruffle. I mean, that's another guy, sure. <laughs> no, I mean, keep Sean Couturier. <laughs> right, Sean Couturier, of course. Yes. Yeah, I mean, especially when we're talking about Flyer fans, you know, we're just like foaming at the mouth for this guy to finally get a freaking Selkie trophy. I feel like the city of Philadelphia would celebrate more, almost, if Couturier got a Selkie than the Flyers winning a Stanley Cup. Complete hyperbole there. I don't think that's going to happen. No, but, you know, that was stupid. You definitely know that the Flyers fan base is going to go ape you-know-what if he wins a Selkie, though. Oh, of course. Yeah, and rightfully yeah. so. Now, this yep. year, though, there is some competition, and the competition's, as with every year, honestly, it's pretty damn good. Um, there's 
you can research it. You can look. There's plenty of articles out there that state this guy, this guy, this guy. We took a couple people here just to take a look at their stats, their team's stats, how their defense is doing, offense, yada, yada, yada. So we've got a list of a few players that we're going to run through here real quick and kind of gauge where Couturier might stand in the Selkie voting and the, you know, the hierarchy of the Selkie trophy. So is there a specific player that you would like to start with here, John? Well, sure. Let's start with Sean Couturier. Why don't we? Yeah, let's lead off with Coots himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so if you don't mind, I'll I'll just go ahead and kind of run through some quick numbers here. Absolutely. You know, his point his point total isn't bad. Twenty two goals, thirty seven assists for fifty nine points. But that's not all you're looking at with the Selkie Trophy, right? You're looking for the best two way forward. I think as much as people want to poop on the plus minus, you got to look at their plus minus numbers when you're talking about a two way forward, because you do want to see that they're on the ice for more goals for than goals against. So his plus minus is plus 21. It seems pretty what, did indicative. I say, did I say that wrong? No, you're, you're oh, absolutely okay. correct. It seems pretty indicative that, you know, they're better on defense typically if their plus minus is higher. Right. <laughs> And he's just under uh, just under 20 minutes a game. Not bad. Correct. Uh, he has 26 block shots and 40 takeaways. So, I mean, it paints a pretty good picture for one of the top two-way forwards in the league. However, there are some others out there that are pretty darn legitimate, too. Do you want to kind of give us the first guy? For sure. I mean, when you're talking Selkie... Another name that goes hand-in-hand with Selkie is Bergeron. Everybody knows Patrice Bergeron is a perennial Selkie contender. Uh, He's won how many of them? I believe there's five. Has he won five? I feel like that might be Uh, outlandish, but it could be right. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not even going to make a guess. He's won a lot more than everybody else on this list. Um, And this year has been nothing short of exceptional from him. You know, 61 games, 56 points, 31 of them being goals. He's a plus 23, and he's only averaging 18 minutes and 44 seconds a night, which compared to, that's a full minute less than what Couturier is averaging. And he's already, he's only three points short having played eight games less. Uh, 42 blocks, 69 takeaways on the best team in hockey right now as well. Uh, The Boston Bruins, I believe, are giving up a league best 167 goals total, and that's 2.39 per game, which is outstanding. Penalty kills great. You want to talk about a defensive forward and the epitome of a two-way player, that's Patrice Bergeron. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, you look at these numbers, they're very close. I think the thing that stands out as far as Bergeron goes is that his goal number is nine more than Couturier and I will always value goals more than assists especially because we're not knowing what's a primary assist what's a secondary assist um so he does kind of he views at let me try that one more time he looks a little bit more at least with the numbers as more of an offensive threat um which I do think gives him a little bit of a an upper hand I just think it's hard to dethrone this guy until he kind of has a hiccup. And this season, he hasn't had much of a hiccup. Something that kind of sticks with me is I, years ago, I heard Dana White in, of the UFC saying, you've got to definitively do something to best the champion in order 
to win exactly. a, like, a decision. You know, you have to be marginally better. And that's the case because, right. you know, given O'Reilly won it last year, and we'll get to him here in a second, but Bergeron, he's always going to be in the chase for this trophy. And if you're not better than him by a good margin, chances are you're not going to be a finalist. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that he's one of those that Couturier will have a really hard time beating for this trophy. Absolutely. You know, it, it's not it's not my decision on who gets it. You know, obviously I have my flyer bias, but I think that when you're looking at people that it will be hard for Couturier to surpass this season for this trophy, he's pretty darn close to the top of the list. And it's easy for us to make an argument for Sean Couturier because we watch him. We see him every night, every game that we watch for the Flyers. We see what he does. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I watch all of Bergeron's games. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I watch all of these guys' games. You know, it's one of those things where, yeah, there's a bias, but at the same rate, we appreciate Couturier for what he does, you know? Definitely. Of course. So one more name you want to throw out there for us here. One one more name? Yeah. Well, we have have a couple more names, but you pick the name. We'll roll with it here. Oh. Oh, okay. I thought like you meant just choose one more and that's that. Um, well, I mean, I think that, you know, Ryan O'Reilly is another one who's going to be in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be confused with Cal O'Reilly of, of Phantom's fame. He played 71 games. So he played the, the most of any of the candidates that we have here 12 goals 49 assists 61 points so more points than Couturier or Bergeron but a lot fewer goals than Mm -hmm. Couturier and Bergeron very much plus 11 right Mm -hmm. plus 11 so whatever you want to do with that but that's less than the other two uh, just over 20 minutes a game on ice Mm mm-hmm 42 blocks, 69 takeaways. So, I mean, for me, he's a he's a tier below this year. You know, I, I don't think he's quite there. Yes, he's got more points, but again, I'm going to value goals more than assists. He's averaging more time on ice, but it's not by much. Like, I, I don't know if that's going to be something that puts him over the hump for me. He's averaging. I, I don't know. What about something. you? He's averaging about forty seconds more on ice a night uh, than Couturier. Right. I I don't know if I'd necessarily put him a tier below Couturier, but I personally also kind of discount the team that they're on. Like you can argue, yeah, well, Philadelphia is a top six team in the league as well. Sure, they are, but St. Louis is the second best team in the league. So when you have a guy like O'Reilly right. playing this well. It's kind of, you know, okay, The you know what came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it because the team's good or is the team good because O'Reilly's good? Uh, let's be honest, St. Louis doesn't revolve around O'Reilly, but he is a right. key component, obviously. So totally. I kind of discount that as well. You know, St. Louis is a solid team. PK's sub 80%, so I kind of weigh that as well because a two-way forward typically plays the penalty kill. And, Definitely. You know, when your penalty kill is not that good, that's usually indicative of there being a little bit of a you know 
a lull there, but but I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. One thing that does no, that's fine. One thing that does stand out when we're talking about you know the defensive side of the game is his 69 nice, nice. takeaways. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. He. I, I mean, that's that is much more than anybody else on our list. Like, yeah, that goes to show you, you know what kind of defensive player he is. You know, he's aggressive. He's clearly effective if he's taken away the puck that much. Um, so I do think that that gives him that that gives him a little bit of a boost. But I don't yeah. know. I I just don't think he's he's Bergeron or Couturier this year. Yeah, this year. Obviously, you know, altogether. Right. He's won this award before. Right. So he's clearly right. good enough to do that. But this year, again, you know, it – We'll get to that summation later, but we're going to throw out another name here too. I think we've got like two more we want to discuss, and one of them is Braden Point from Tampa Bay. Uh, Point just signed a big deal on the offseason after being one of those notorious RFAs that, you know, wanted the big money. Looking at you, Rich Marner. And uh, 66 (laughs) games, uh, 64 points. He's a plus 28, which is actually the best out of the names we're going to run through here. He averages just a shade under 19 minutes a night, and he's got 30 blocks, 30 takeaways on a third-place Tampa Bay team and third in the NHL. Right. So we know Tampa Bay. We know how good they are and how stacked they are. Adding a guy like Braden Point, who's a sound two-way player, I, I think this is the guy that I'm looking at saying, okay, he's a tier below, you know, the Bergerons, the Couturiers, because, yeah, he's putting up the points and the plus minus is great. The team is great. Again, I'm, I'm going to harp on right. how good the team is, but the takeaways and the blocks don't do it for me either. You know, I'm just, if point becomes a finalist, okay, I don't see him taking this home this year. I think it's so hard, man, to really view each player and then look at the team they're on, too, because, like, there's so much to a two-way player, like, what makes a two-way player that can be very subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, some might argue that numbers don't really mean a whole lot. I mean, you're going to need some sort of offense, obviously, because you need to be a two-way player. But someone might argue that the things that you – are judging on the defensive side is hard to measure. So, you know, so I really don't know. I didn't watch a whole lot of like, I mean, I watched Tampa when, you know, they were playing the flyers or, you know, I had the NHL network on, but I wasn't really seeing like where he was put situationally or anything like that. Um, so it's, it's hard. I mean, if you looking if you're looking just on numbers, I mean, it's hard to discount them for sure. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. The 64 um, points he's averaging almost a point per game. But they do, you know, you and me kind of talk talked about this off the air, and we'll probably mention this again for the next guy that we talk about, but they, the NHL does not award players the first time they're nominated. This is like something, like awards are something that you have to like earn through kind of going through the nomination process a few times, I feel. Um, He's still really young 
quite new to the league in the grand scheme of things. You know, I I don't he might be somebody who down the line would win this award, but I don't think that this year he would. No, I I don't think this year's his year at all. Uh, no knock on him. Obviously, he's had a fantastic year to be named in the same breath as guys like Couturier, Bergeron, O'Reilly. Um, but you're right. I, you know, it's almost like uh, you, you got to kind of earn your keep and earn your spot and kind of battle your way up that ladder. So, you know, consider this the first rung for Braden Point, I guess you could right. say, especially if he gets a nominee. That's an impressive notch in the belt for him. But one more, I guess there's one more guy. Is there another guy on this list that you're looking at thinking we should discuss him as well? Or do you think we could cap things off with this other guy? I mean, I think there's one more guy that deserves mentioning at least. Okay. Uh, that's Tara Vinen. Tara Vinen's in Carolina, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I mean, I knew he was there. But I, I don't know, it feels like so long ago. Uh, uh, so he, he played... <laughs> he played 68 games, uh, 15 goals, 48 assists, 63 points. Again, you know, goals, assists, whatever you want to do with it. Plus minus is plus 20. He averaged 19, just over 19 minutes a game, uh, 30 blocks, and 44 takeaways. I mean, for me, he's another one where it's like, yeah, honorable mention, sure, but not quite. He's, yeah. he's not quite there yet for me. I think that if you were to pit Teravine and Point against each other for who were to be the more likely, I would probably take Teravinen. Not, you know, this is a close vote. I'm not saying landslide Teravinen, but at the same rate, I feel like Teravinen, you know, you look at those 44 takeaways. You mentioned it with O'Reilly with the 69. Takeaways, to me, are kind of, kind of... Like interceptions in football, where you just have a nose for mm-hmm. it. You've got a nose for the ball. In hockey, you've got a nose for the puck. Like You just know you anticipate the play. You anticipate the pass. It shows hockey IQ. And these types right. of players are typically the smartest ones on the ice because you have to be smart to be able to play defense when your main position is offense. And, you know, you could say sure. vice versa, but Shane Goss, the spirit, would argue otherwise. Um, <laughs> that was a joke, John. You can laugh. <laughs> But, <laughs> it's the reason I'm the funny one. Yeah, yeah, real funny. But anyways, uh, <laughs> you know, Terravine has got a solid case to be one of the nominees, but, you know, there's other names out there I think are much more worthy. And, you know, if that's the last name we're going to run through here, I think, you know, three finalists, I think it's pretty cut and dry here. I mean, to you, is it the same as last year? Is it the same three as last year for you? I, I've got Couturier, O'Reilly, and Bergeron. I yeah, think, so that's I think the same, right, as I, last year? I don't know if – was Couturier nominated last year? I believe so. I don't know. This is what Maybe this not. layoff is doing to me. I just completely forget everything. <laughs> I Was he? I, I don't remember. Yeah, Who cares? I'm not even going to look up that, right now. That, I don't want to waste your time. Ugh. But those are the three guys for me. I I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I want Sean Couturier to win this so bad. I just think it's going to be Bergeron. I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, uh, well, I Bergeron, think it's going to be Bergeron. He did more. Well, you could argue more. 
with less games. He played eight less games than Kateria. Right. He played ten less than O'Reilly. And he's only got three less points than Kateria and five less points than O'Reilly. So you could argue that Bergeron has had a much better year than either of those guys. But I'm all for the new guy coming knocking the guy off the top of the hill. Yeah. I, you know, O'Reilly's won it. Bergeron's won it. Again, my bias is showing. But I want Kateria to get there. Dude. Uh, me too, man, and I hope he does. And I, and I don't think anybody could be upset with him winning it. Like no. I don't think you know if I you know, and that's the thing with like Bergeron. Of course, I want Kateria to win, but if Bergeron wins, it's not like I'm going to argue it. No, you know, I'm um, not going to throw. A this, fit I guess, about the same it. could be said with right. So I don't know. I mean, I think we've kind of said what we needed to say about the Selkie. I I think that. Couturier is in the running. I'm just not quite sure he's going to be able to dethrone Bergeron this year. Yeah, I I have a hard time picturing it, but at the same rate, I'm incredibly hopeful. <laughs> right. So, Selkie talks one. over. Next one. Which one do we want to hit next year? Just run down the line? Yeah, and you know what? We actually should talk about another one. Two that I'm gonna throw at you at the very end. All right, all right. I'm I, I had to, I had to look it up while we were talking, so there was probably one point where I was like half listening to you. Um, but there point? is another one that we should probably. T- <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we should probably talk about. But let's let's get to Jack. Deal. Wow, I love Jack. Jack, are we are we talking Jack Daniels? Here's a ditty about Jack Diane. Not Diane. I said Daniels. <laughs> Hey, hey, I can hey. still mute you. I hope you understand that. Jack says, yeah. "Oh yeah, you suck." Jack Adams talk. We're gonna talk about the Jack Adams right. Trophy, the trophy that is awarded to the best head coach in hockey. Hi, Mark. Hey, Mark. <laughs> Guys. Anyway, Elaine Vino <laughs> has a legit shot at winning this award. And yep. we're going to run through, you know, the chances why we think that he could win it. There are some other names that intrigue me personally. But when you're talking best coach in the league, I feel like you almost yep. have to look at what happened last year. You know, how good was the team last year? How good are they this year? There's got to be a vast improvement. We've seen that with the Flyers. There's got to be just in different facets of the game special teams offense defense there's been an improvement in damn near every facet for the flyers and who's the guy that's probably going to end up getting the praise for it this guy av underwater basket weaving AV. you know and to kind of <laughs> to add to what you're saying too you need to also look at the adversity faced throughout the season as in this season and if you look at the things that the Flyers had to go through from medical, you know, with Limblom to just having points this season where they looked awful, where it just didn't seem like anything was working. And then all of a sudden everything clicked. You know, he clearly got this team to buy into what he was doing, where even when it was the hardest times, they were able to push through. And I think that that's something that only great coaches can accomplish. And that's something that gets you to that coach of the year status. Now, obviously we know, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, buddy. I just wanted that. And he did it in a quick amount of time. 
you know, I mean, one not even a full season. It was incredible. And I think one of the things that, you know, we have to consider is we obviously know the Flyers narrative the best because we're Flyer fans. We have a Flyer podcast. You know, that's the team that we're going to follow the closest. So there might be other coaches that have a narrative similar to it. But I think of those teams, the Flyers are the best team right now now like if you were looking when the season ended they were the top team of those you know i'm not looking at the teams that have stacked rosters and that are killing it because they have stacked rosters you know i want to see adversity or overperforming performing past their expectations and i think that the flyers are the best team to do that this year well you look at it coming into this season the flyers we didn't know what to expect you know, we were either going right. to get a bottom of the barrel team that's going to rebuild and Vino's going to be at the forefront of it, or you've got a team that's going to come out, punch you in the mouth, and say, Guess what, suckers, we're here to stay. And it's the latter of the two. You know, Vino came out and was, we all know his infamous speech at the beginning of the year be a effing flyer. And guess what? Yep. That's what they're doing. And, you know, this all kind of, this talk came about because uh, 18NHL.com writers, voted on this and Vino was the top and then you had second place which I completely disagree with was Mike Sullivan of the Pittsburgh Penguins um yeah should do we even bother getting into that as to why he doesn't deserve this award I uh, you know it's like every time the Pittsburgh Penguins have a little bit of a hiccup in their season and they come back it's like the greatest success story it's like shut up you know what? This is a good team. They should be playing well when they have hiccups. You know, that that's more of a negative than their turnaround being a positive. Ugh, shut up, Pittsburgh. It's ridiculous. You know, the, they would have been a wild card team if they were a normal playoff. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're the five seed. Third place on this list, which I think should be ranked above Sullivan. I think everybody really should be ranked above Sullivan. John Tortorella. <laughs> I yep. think this man does not get enough credit for what he's done this year. No, you know, and I think with everything that happened in, th- I mean, this year in hockey, you know, where a lot of coaches were put on the spot for certain ways that they've treated players in the past, people were just waiting for Tortorella's name to be mentioned, right? Oh, you're right. Absolutely. And and it, I mean, to my knowledge, at least, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, Derek, but it, that never happened. I don't believe so. So either. he is able to take it to that level without going, without crossing the line. And I think, you know, this Columbus team, um, they were not expected to be very good. I mean, they were a borderline playoff team, right? When this all ended. Yeah. They I'm made trying, it in as the ninth you know, seed. So, you know, I mean, I think that that's kind of against them. They really wouldn't have been a playoff team um, if this was the real world. (laughs) But, you know, what this guy is able to do with teams is just crazy good. So I've always been a big fan of his. And, uh, yeah, I would put him above Sullivan, too. Before this Vino hire, I remember when the Flyers needed a head coach, and it was right before Columbus swept Tampa. And I'm thinking in my head – if Tampa sweeps Columbus, Columbus could end up just canning Tortorella. That is who I originally wanted 
And I believe yeah. I'm on record saying yep. that on the podcast last year. I wanted yeah. Tortorella bad. I, oh, you know, for sure. I'm happy, very, very happy with the way things turned out with Vino. But Tortorella, given what he went through between last year and this year, the depletion of that roster, you lost to Shane, you lost um, Bobrovsky, you lost arguably Panarin. the best goalie, Panarin as well. You lost three very good players. And you're still, I mean, again, in a regular season, they wouldn't have made the playoffs, but this isn't a regular season. And they did make at right. least the play-in round with a, right. a decent matchup against Toronto. But he brought them there, and he did it. He kept them on the cusp, and that speaks volumes to the type of coach he is. I think he's definitely in the running for this award. Yeah, I mean, it, I view him and Vigneault very similarly as they hold players accountable. Yes. You know, you need to go out there and give it your all every night, or they are going to be on you about it. And, you know, I think that when you're a professional athlete and millions of dollars are thrown at you and people treat you like royalty, you need someone to ground you to make sure that you are reminded that you're still there to do a job and do it well. And I think that these two coaches do a really good job at doing that. 100%. I couldn't agree more with what you just said. Oh, good. Yeah, and we get to the fourth name that's at least listed on this. Uh, we have Dave Tippett, the head coach for the Edmonton Oilers, and I like where he's at. I do. Right. I think fourth place, just right outside of being a nominee. It, you know, the Oilers are a damn good team. They've got McDavid and Drysaitel, two of the best players in the league this year. They've come leaps and bounds from where they were last year. So Tippett right. deserves and- that type of recognition. And not a great roster. I mean, outside of they're obviously two of the best players in the entire league. But, yeah. you know, as far as roster depth, they're, it's not a great team. No, it's not. But they're very top-heavy, and right. that's what carries them. But Tippett does a very good job of managing the rest of the team to make sure that they can at least sure. support those top two guys. For sure. I mean, so I I don't want to I don't want to jump to things, but I think like when I'm when I'm thinking about our guy, Elaine Vigneault, and I'm thinking about the Jack Adams, I want to think about a coach that could beat him. Right. That's where I want to go. I don't see one. I, I don't see a coach where they experienced as much on ice success as the Flyers with a similar storyline to the Flyers. I just don't see it. Do you? I do see Vino being beat out by one of these guys on this list. The only really? way the only way I see it happening and this shouldn't be like this and I'll argue to the death about it. But if Pittsburgh ends up playing Philadelphia in the playoffs and beats Philadelphia, I think Sullivan jumps Vino. I hate that. I absolutely hate it, and I disagree with it vehemently. But they're going to take into account how you did in the playoffs. Regardless of the situation, it could be a normal year with no COVID, whatever you may have. But that's just that's how it works. If you perform in the playoffs, it just kind of bolsters your case for the award that you were nominated for. Don't like it, no. but that's 
I uh, I cringe at the thought of it. But if real it's not quick, Vino, though, man. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, I like to think that these are regular season awards. I mean, I know that they put postseason into it. I'm pretty sure McDavid won MVP without being in the playoffs one year, though, right? But didn't he I'm just pretty absolutely sure that... shred the league a new Probably, one? but but I think like when it comes to being the coach of the year, you know, yeah, in a in a regular in a regular season in playoffs, like if you go on to win the Stanley Cup when it's like you weren't even meant to be in the playoffs, I, I get how that would put you there, but it's like I don't I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I just think that the playoffs really shouldn't put – you shouldn't put too much weight into it when thinking of these awards. Like I view them more as regular season awards. I completely agree. I think that's what they should be because there's awards right. awarded in the playoffs. It's called a Stanley Cup and a Conn Smythe, and those are the only two awarded in the playoffs. If you want them, go get them. For the regular right. season though, there are awards awarded, and what you do in the playoffs should have no bearing on whether you win this award or not. The fact right. of the matter is that you could argue that I, I guess know. there's some sort of recency bias where you see this success that this guy had and you're like, oh, well, let me take a look back now with that in mind and see how he did during the regular season. Like, yeah, Sullivan didn't have a f- tremendous regular season, but look what he did in the playoffs. That's kind of the tiebreaker in my mind. And it's, right for lack of a better term, yeah. cover your ears, it's bullshit. Yeah, no, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so is there just, another name? I hope that's not the case. No, I hope it's not either. Is there another name for you that you would put into this list? I don't know. I, you know, I was thinking about this before, and I think you know, I was running through the list of teams that have been successful this season, and for the most part, right, they are teams everybody kind of expected them to be successful. Pretty much. Um, yeah. I always love to just throw Rod Brindamore into the mix just because I really like Rod Brindamore, and I think he's an awesome coach, um, but I don't really think he deserves coach of the year. I, I just like to think about him because, you know, love you, Rod. But, uh, no, I don't, I, don't really think there's, I don't really think there's anybody <laughs> else there. I mean, the guy in Colorado people will Bednar. probably bring up, but, but I don't – I mean, that team's stacked. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know. That's the guy that I would put in yeah. there, I think. I mean, you look at them, and yeah, you're right. They're stacked. They have some solid, solid players in that lineup. The emergence of a guy like Kale McCarr, their goaltending, which, right. I mean, you look at it, Pavel Fransos, did you think he was going to be you know, as good as he is? They are having a damn good year, and it's tough to ignore what Bednar's done, but... Again, sure. I feel like he's got to do more to dethrone a guy like Vino because of exactly. the expectations entering this season and what Vino's been able to do with what Fletcher gave him in the offseason, essentially. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's no shot at Bednar. I think he's done a great job. I just think, yeah, Vino has got my vote. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think, again, you know, call me a homer, whatever, but Vino, man. You can't deny what he's done with this team. For sure. Yeah. All right, so next. We get to the third trophy that we're going to discuss out of four because John's got a surprise for me at the end of the episode. Oh, boy. 
We have the <laughs> Bill Masterton Trophy, and every single team in the NHL has a player that they nominate for this award. The Flyers, which makes absolute sense, nominated Oscar Lindblom, who we all know was yep. diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma early on in the season. He is the Flyers nominee, and there are – I'm not running through the list. If you want to know who they are, research them. There's a link on NHL.com. You can check out who's all been nominated. Getting down to it, we know what this award is. We know what it stands for, and if people want to research it, you know they know who's been nominated for it. This award is not, is given to the player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to ice hockey. So basically, an all around good guy who busts his butt yep. and is a good sport. All great qualities. Lindblom obviously being probably the best of the Flyers to be nominated for it. Is there a real case to be made for Lindblom winning this award? I know it sounds stupid, but take passion out of it. And let's just look at, you know, the, the entirety sure. of the award. So when I look at what the Masterton has become, right? It's like the Comeback Player of the Year award for... Someone who's really gone through adversity, something that threw their career, their life for a loop. Um, you know, you think of Robin Leonard, right, as somebody who really stands out as a Masterton candidate of the past. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Oscar Lindblom is living through a nightmare. He's going through something I hope none of us ever have to go through. You know, the things that. You know, he's, he's fighting for his life, essentially. The problem is when we're looking at this award, it's like the comeback part of it. That if next year he were to be able to take to the ice and and have and play a, even a full season, he doesn't even have to light the league on fire, but he just is able to go out there and work his butt off. Then he becomes it a nominee for this award. I just think that this year, and I don't really want to get too much into this, Derek, because I, I, I don't feel comfortable kind of judging who deserves this because of what people have gone through. But I think that he's more of a candidate for next year. You're absolutely right. I, you know, you hate, uh, you absolutely hate to say that the flyers jump the gun on this because when you're talking about something as sensitive and as touchy as this, you've got to kind of tiptoe around it. But, Yes, you can't deny what he's going through is terrible, but there is a comeback aspect to it, and we have yet to see that because he's not at that stage yet. Let's say next year he comes back. He starts you know, on his trail, on the comeback, and he ends up playing by the end of the year, and he kind of just picks up where he left off. If he has a great year, because right. he was having a phenomenal year uh, to start. Right. If he picks up where he left off, there's no doubt in my mind he walks home with the Masterton in 2021. I, I'll stake my reputation on it. Oh, for sure. And, you know, to be clear, at least for me, the Flyers did the right thing nominating him. I mean, he was their nominee. Absolutely. You know, that that makes sense to me. You know, that's a gesture from the organization. That, that's what they should have done. I just think when you're getting ready to award it, you know, you mentioned this guy's name. I don't want to take it from you because – Derek mentioned him, but like Bobby Ryan's the guy, right? That you think of. Yeah, like it was all in one season. It was the tribulation. It was the comeback, and we saw the comeback. Right. His first game back, he had a hat trick. Right. In incredible. 
we know Bobby Ryan's a great player. Yes, he's tailed off a little bit since you know his prime years with Ottawa, but that's the guy. And you don't want to say that someone's more deserving of this award than another person because they're exactly. all going through something. But that's the kind of guy that you look at and you're like, that's kind of what this award exemplifies. That's what it's all about. Not that what Oscar's going through isn't what it's all about. But, you know, to me, it's kind of an incomplete. Like when you're a teacher, if someone hasn't finished right. an assignment yet, you give them an incomplete instead of failing them. Right. At no, least I to my knowledge. You. And I th- <laughs> and I th- and I think the best thing for us to do is to just like tie a bow on this one. You know, I I I think that he is much more of a a candidate for next year's award. Yeah, no knock on what he's going through, obviously. No. You all know that. But next year, I think when the comeback happens, we are going to know, and that's going to be the year. Right. Yeah. So are you ready for our award number four? I'm ready for award number four, and I'm completely – I don't know what's going to happen here. All right. Well, the Jim Gregory General Manager of the Year Award – Oh, so this is serious. Okay. This is serious. Yeah. Look at me being serious. I'm completely thrown through General right manager of, of the year award. I don't know that he deserves to win it, but the guy at least has to be in the conversation. Chuck Fletcher made moves that drove people crazy. But for the most part, homeboy got it right. Homeboy Every hit the little nail on thing the head. he did. Right. I mean, I, I everything he's done for this organization has worked. Can we coin From a term? From the coach. Well, what is it? Like, can we coin the term homeboy Chucky Fletch? <laughs> I like it. Homeboy Chucky Fletch. I feel like that's like another it. one of those PSB things where people are going to be like, yeah, this guy started that. And I want to be at the forefront. Sure. <laughs> Homeboy Chucky Fletch. Yeah, I mean, like, Kevin Hayes, man. Look at that signing, right? And again, we could talk money and all that, but what that guy provides on and off the ice is incredible. Incomparable. And And Chuck Fletcher did that. He found the right coach, you know, especially at a time where hiring veteran coaches really isn't the thing to do. You want to get that new wave guy who's like 15, you know, is the only thing he's ever done is played NHL 20. You're like that kind of crap. <laughs> um, Stevie heat maps type deal. But yeah, <laughs> it's just every like for pit, like, like the little trades he made at the trade deadline. He didn't do anything flashy. He did some some little things just to make a little bit better in, in certain areas. And I think that what he's done kind of goes at the wayside because we spent so much attention talking about Vigneault and like the actual players, but this guy's done it all right. In my opinion, when you think about it, the flyers have been through the Holmgren era where it was, let's get the flashiest name in free agency. Let's pay what we've got to pay for the flashiest guy at the deadline. Then you right. get to Hextall, where you're like, just nothing but <laughs> patience, patience, patience. Let's sign a bunch right. of fourth-line guys like Dale Weiss and Ryan White, and let's just see how it works out. Boyd Gordon, another one of them. Now you literally have the middle of the road with Chuck Fletcher. because Exactly. 
yes, he's in a position where he is meant to thrive because there is a contender that he is at the helm of. He has a team that is complete, and he made it that way. It's not like he just inherited a complete team. He went out and got Niskanen. Niskanen has proved to be a great pair partner with Provorov. You went out and got Justin Braun, who was kind of supposed to be the Matt Niskanen to Robert Haig that Niskanen is to Provorov, like the mentor type. The Pitlick deal at the deadline, getting two depth guys in Nate Thompson and Derek Grant. Right. He had a mission that he knew what he needed to do, and he went out and he did it. That, to me, screams terrific GM. Yeah. I, you know, and again, I, I don't know, I don't know enough about what every GM had to do to get their teams where they are this year. Um, so it's hard for me to kind of compare him to anybody else. <laughs> but I think this, he's got to be in the consideration for it. And we don't have to spend any more time on it, but I thought that that was one that we should at least mention. No, for sure. I definitely think that, you know, Fletcher's name should be spoken in the same breath as some of the the top contenders for that award. You know, you want to argue, yeah, let's give it to the teams that are perennial contenders and that are great every year, and that's fine. You know, but look at what Chuck Fletcher inherited versus what he has now. I mean, you're talking like the office type thing where Dwight Schrute, you know, starts with this rinky-dink thing and ends up with a telescope. Let's just hope he doesn't right. trade it for those magical legumes that Halpert's got. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, there's your office um, reference for the week. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think that, that was a good fourth one. Yeah. I, I was very serious there. I can't believe you, you thought any different of me, Derek. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. What have you ever done that would lead me to believe you wouldn't be serious? <laughs> I know. So before we before we wrap up the episode, can we talk about one more thing? And you don't have to get into this conversation with me, but there's one thing that I have to talk about. Okay. Okay. All right. Are you giving me permission? Uh, of, of course. I'll probably jump in anyway. <laughs> so I, you know, part of what we need to do being in the quote-unquote media is we need to have a presence on social media, right? For sure. We have to be a part of, of Twitter. and I mean, I you can do the Facebook crap. I, don't, I won't go there. But I've found recently that going on social media is one of the hardest things to do these days. Now, I think it's always pretty contentious and cutthroat. But these days, it is so divisive about everything and i'm not talking about the big issues in the world that is that is a conversation for another podcast with another group of people i'm talking about things like talking about prospects in hockey if you want if you want to have you seen any of this stuff going on the past few days i've heard basically summaries of it and that's about it that's probably as far as i want to (laughs) go if you disagree with somebody you are being just insulted, insulted, you know, for the hard work that you put towards something. It's like we can't have a difference of opinion. And again, I'm not talking about the big issue stuff. We can't have a difference of opinion about anything without getting nasty with one another. It's like everybody's a goddamn expert and nobody else knows anything else. But you can't preach being peaceful and nice to somebody if you can't even do it in the smallest little areas. 
and it's disgusting to look at. It's just like, what have we become where we can, you can't have a conversation with somebody without, you know, insulting their intelligence or saying that what they're doing isn't really legitimate. It's just pathetic. And, you know, I, I hate to even bring that stuff on here, but this is the one outlet that we can kind of talk about it. Mm-hmm. For, if you're one of those people, I get it. You know, me and Derek probably say things about people off camera, you know, that probably aren't the nicest. But, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to how social media and everybody's feeding off of, be nicer to one another. Like, if you disagree with somebody, either disagree with them construct- constructively or keep your mouth shut. Because there's so much. I'm sorry, but go no, ahead. I keep talking. You, I, you know this as well as I do, and we've encountered it where there's a certain and some certain organizations that have their cronies that anytime you disagree with somebody uh, as part of that organization, they don't hesitate to jump down your throat and tell you you're an idiot. This is why you should think the way that this guy thinks as opposed to disagreeing with them. And it's never constructive, like, like you said. It... People right now, especially, you know, current events, yeah, everything's this divisive. But with sports being gone, everybody's on edge. Everybody wants sports back. Right. I get it. I do too. I'm not, you know, oh, guys, it's okay. We're making do. It's fine. No, like, on the inside, I'm raging. I want hockey. I want people getting hit. I made a joke with the cashier at Auto uh, Advanced Auto Parts because there was plexiglass up between me and him. And I'm like, man, right. like, if there was somebody in front of me right now, I would just bam right into the boards and he lost it he laughed so hard i'm like it's not that funny i'm serious but you know (laughs) at the same rate it's like dude we've lost all sense of just the the humanity humanity yeah (laughs) you're right like we can't have these discussions anymore because there's always that one a-hole who's like oh you're a dumbass let me tell you why you're wrong like, how about you just talk to me here? State your point. Let's have a conversation. Tell me what you think. Don't tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me what you think and why you're right. Let's be constructive. Right. right. I Yeah, you know, and we again, we don't need to go into a lot of this. It's just people who listen to this, all four of you, just do me a favor. The next time that you see something that you disagree with, just just talk about it with somebody in a constructive way or don't say anything period like it's okay sometimes to just leave it alone you know but i think we really all need to do a better job at being nicer to one another in these little situations save save the the hate and the the distaste for things that really need it there's you know, and again, I'm talking about, <laughs> right. I mean, well, there, there are certainly some things in the world that you're allowed, but you're allowed to feel a certain way. I, I don't know the right way to word that. Yeah, well, you're allowed to feel a certain way about everything, but I think everybody knows what I mean. Like yeah. pick and choose what you're going to decide to destroy somebody about. And also think about whether or not destroying that person actually is going to solve any sort of problem. Because you know what happens when somebody just flat out insults me instead of puts together a constructive argument? I don't give a shit what you have to say after that. Yeah. You I lose don't respect all anything that's 
exactly. So let's put it to bed. But I think that we just had to bring it up at some point where it's like, guys, just be nicer to one another. John said it the best that anybody could put it. In times, especially like right now, with everything considered, let's just be nicer to each other. You know, let's have some fun. Let's have some banter back and forth. Not be a dick. And just let's have a good time. (laughs) Yeah. Now, can we talk about Hoagie giving me some wood? What's going on with that? (laughs) I have went all episode without cracking a joke about you essentially begging for Hoagie's wood. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't it's know the name me. of his wood company. I do. Is it Hoagie's Lumber and Company? I, I do, but for his sake, I don't know if we should mention it just because let's yeah, keep Yeah, probably separate. not a good idea. Yeah, for I'm pretty sure. sure I do at least. Uh, but, you know, again, I could be wrong. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Hoagie's hollowed out stumps. Well, he's Hoagie's, trying to give me that cedar. Uh, Hoagie's Hardwood. Hoagie's Hardwood. There you go. Yeah, you can do a few things with that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Apparently, there's something in the works for us here that he's been talking to us about. We've gotten messages from him. I'm looking forward to it. I have a feeling it's going to be centered around John, so I've lost a little bit of interest already. But nonetheless, it's going to be cool. <laughs> Maybe they're going to be flutes made out of cedar wood. Cedar wood flutes. Ooh, better than a skin flute. <laughs> Well, I guess it depends who you ask. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> shall, we, shall we talk about where we can find us? Because we should let, probably go before let's do this that. gets any more you, ridiculous. You keep, you keep rolling with that one. <laughs> okay, so you can find um, us, as in the Pod Street Bullies, on Twitter, at PodSTBullies. At least I think so. Um, and then the various places you can find this podcast are Apple Podcasts or iTunes, depending on if you're me, Spotify, um, Stitcher. I don't remember the rest of the good ones, uh, but Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We'd be remiss to admit that we are now a part of Anchor as well. Anchor, yeah, you can listen to podcasts on that? Yes, I believe so. Oh, great. Part of, you can listen to us on Anchor if you'd like. Um, and you can also listen to my personal favorite Podmuncher. So if you go on to Podmuncher now, sign up. It's not only free if you use the promo code DBOB, but you also get a shirt that says Munch on this. Why do you have to throw Can't my beat name it. into this? And if you and if you create two accounts and do it, you can get a shirt that says D Bob Munches on this. That's it for us, folks. This has been the Pod Street <laughs> Bullies. You can find me on Twitter at Pod Street Bob. You can find John on Twitter at Pod Street Gove. And as I always leave you, let's go Flyers. Bye now. <laughs>